0: Hey listeners, it's Paul Andriola here. Why not join our community at Small Cap Discoveries where we offer our members direct access to some of the best microcap investment opportunities available? Our members are getting access to premium microcap financings, research reports, and direct access to management. Sign up today at
1: www.smallcapdiscoveries.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries
0: conference call. Today on our call we have the CEO Owen Moore and VP Margo Berry from Beware Holdings for an update. Beware trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol BEW and on the OTC under BEWFF. The company is currently trading at $0.22 with roughly 88 million shares outstanding or about a $19 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Hey, thanks a lot Trevor. uh, always great to have Owen and Margot with us. Um, you've been with us a few times. Uh, so everybody uh, that's listening, or most of the people that are listening, are, are going to have a good recall of what Beware is all about. Uh, but before we get into the updates or anything like that, why don't we refresh everybody's memory and uh, let them know what Beware is all about?
1: Absolutely. So I'll take it. At the beginning and I know when we'll continue with the financial updates so as a reminder uh, beware uh, manufacturers uh, design and manufacturers little um, hardware with GPS and cellular connectivity based on the IoT networks Um, our business model is fairly simple we sell the hardware and then we collect a recurring revenue on it we serve two industries the asset tracking industry, and the environmental sensor monitoring industry. And uh, those are market that are poised to grow um, exponentially. The numbers keep changing, but we're talking about billion of dollars of opportunities. And Beware is one of the main player on the market today. Um, those are just reminders from the last conferences that we had to see a little bit of the, the growth and the progress of the company. Uh, we launched in 2016 when we were in public. With Bluetooth Beacon in 2018, we launched the first LTM, which is this IoT network product. Uh, we have unique and, and massive partners that distribute our products. Um, those distributors can be either carriers such as at t T-Mobile, and Bell, and we also have industry-specific resellers just as, as such as Quid, McNally, et cetera, etc, cetera. Um, the investment thesis for us was to replace all technology, uh, so existing, you know, 3G, 4G, LTE asset tracker with those IoT asset trackers, Um, The monthly fee is much, much lower, the data consumed is much, much lower, and the battery life is a lot longer. Um, So we are mostly a B2B model, so we sell to resellers, they sell to the end users. We have achieved uh, records, revenues, and profitability for the past 24 months, Uh, and our cash position keeps increasing quarter over quarter. Um, We have an amazing team of super experienced people, such as Owen, who have had success in taking companies public in the past in similar industries. So through that experience, that's also how we landed some of our largest resellers and partners because of the trust that they place in the team um, next to me here and the rest of the guys here. Uh, Very quickly, so the this is just a um, an overview of how it works. So the trackers that we sell, such as this guy, uh, has a SIM card in it. It's got a GPS. It's got some sensors. You slap it on your assets. It sends the data to um, to your cloud servers and boom, you can access it through a portal. We also do integration with third-party software. It's a very streamlined solution. Uh, It's fully end-to-end and it's very, very easy to use. I will spare you the video that we've watched several times, but if you want it, everything is on our YouTube channel, Beware Inc. Um, some of the marketing examples that we've talked about in the past is, for example, white labeling. So those are our asset trackers and they are being white labeled through some of our distributors, such as Slip Complete and Ren McNally. Um, as a quick reminder of the products in the asset tracking uh, segment right now, we have three main, Uh, outdoor, mostly asset tracker, which is the B10 to be sold to be wired. And just very recently we launched the B mini, which is that little guy that I have in my hand right here. And we'll talk a little bit more in details about the use cases, but this is, this is from my sales pitch, somewhere from my sales desk. So it contains all the information. I'm assuming that this uh, will be provided through the video recording. So you can take a look at it later if you have some needs. Um, as I was mentioning, our solution can be integrated into a third-party software, such as Geotab. So they have all their assets and the telematics uh, GPS tracker in one platform, or we can sell them all web portal as well. So it's a full end-to-end um, solution. The Bimini is really the kicker of this year. We launched it uh, in Q1 in February. We had a huge webinar with all the bell reps uh, where we introduced uh, the device, the product, to all the, the, the sales rep of um, Bell. Uh, we've done that through several of our resellers. Um, we are getting a huge interest from the, um, our partners. To date, we sold uh, about 3,000, and this is just the beginning. We're working on huge opportunities. We've closed some deals that we were mentioning to you a few times, such as the bike tracking, with a uh, local government in the US. Um, Actually, it's a private company, but they work with the city. We can use this example to go around other cities and and try to sell those use cases as well. Um, The Bimini is essentially opening the market. Sorry, I went too fast on this slide here. The Bimini opens the market to a lot of newer applications, smaller assets, less expensive assets. Uh, use plays that are completely new such as tracking indoor thanks to that wi-fi location module that we added on it and it is fully certified it went through very rigorous testing so it's still a very high quality asset tracker that you wouldn't find on amazon per se um, just to remind a little bit the use cases for example with the b so the b one of our low-hanging fruit is the trailer tracking market so we have a huge number of customers that are using uh, the bisol the BISO, which is the asset tracker with the solar panel on it, to track their trailers. The business case is fairly easy. Um, trucks at the front used to be equipped with telematics. There was not really a low cost efficient product to track the trailers, which can arrange minimum $100,000 with empty plus cargo. The solution is very affordable, it's very easy, and it allows the customers to keep track of all of the trailers through North America. The Bimini brings on some fun use cases. For example, tracking packages indoor. We actually had uh, on a couple occasions, more than one, but really on a couple occasions that stand out. Uh, we shipped the Bimini, and uh, the uh, carrier, such as FedEx, said that it was delivered. And when it wasn't, it would show at the FedEx ground warehouse. This is um, this is a new capability to track indoor using existing Wi-Fi network. There's no need to know the, the password, there's no need to do anything. It just reads it, sniffs it as we sell it, and then it can give quite accurate indoor location. On this few occasions, once I've recovered my package, the other one I have not, but it is a very good use case to demonstrate to your clients. With the temperature, humidity, etc. sensors that are on the BBNE, we're also going after specific assets, um, tracking use cases sh- such as, uh, cancer treatment, therapy, vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. So we have a number of pilots undergoing right now with healthcare and governments and private companies. So a huge amount of application that we have and we're seeing it. I'm not gonna go through all the use cases. Again, this is taken from my sales deck because now that the public is rather familiar with eWare, we wanted to show you how we sell it. So this is a, a general sales... Uh, example where we recommend a different product based on the use case. So here we talk about logistics with BSOL, B wired, B mini, construction with the B wired, uh, static equipment with the B10 or the BSOL, emergency services is a segment that's coming back for us with the Bmini, mini uh, equipment rental, um, package tracking, as we were saying, pellets, portable generator, and so on and so forth. Awesome. That is it.
2: Thanks, Margo. Um, So I'm going to walk the group and just before we get started, thanks uh, Trevor and Paul for having us on. It's always a a pleasure to meet with you and your members. Um, We're gonna walk through some of the financials quickly, but before we get into some of the slides, uh, just just some of the highlights. By far the biggest highlight for us was we we generated about 465,000 in operating cash in the most recent quarter. That pushed our our cash position to just up over just up under two million and under three million pardon me two hundred and ninety nine thousand and that was a strong result. Um, revenues were up about 37 percent relative to Q1 in 2021. I think from Margot's second slide she showed the market the cager for our market at about 17 percent so we're we're doing um, considerably better than, than the expectations for the market, which is, is good to see. We also feel that um, we're going to be able to show that that um, strong growth in, in the near term. So uh, keep an eye out for Q2 numbers when we re- release them in another three months or so. Um, on, the, uh, you know, on, the, on the side that needs a little bit more explaining is, is the net income. Um, we did change how we account for our development costs um, you know, technology companies uh, tend to defer development costs, and, and that's in order to realize the expenses when you're realizing the revenue associated with a new product. Um, the decision was made not to do that. That had a direct impact on net income. Um, but like I said, in, in our industry, cash is king, and, and um, generating over 450000 in cash in a quarter was, was um, you know, a highlight that I think deserves some recognition. Um, so we'll just run through some, oh, the, the last comment I'm going to make before we get into the slides is, you know, and you guys know this better than we do, we're, we're a little bit myopic and we have our heads down and we're looking at our business. We don't manage macro. So, you know, when the markets are, were on fire up until the last six months, um, our focus was on fiscal responsibility. We were focused on fiscal sustainability. We wanted to show... Um, you know, stable cash. We didn't want to be burning cash. And, and, you know, while people were putting out crazy revenue projections, we were, were really focused on, 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 you know, bottom line um, performance and, and cash. Uh, you know, now that the markets have, have fallen apart, um, you know, I guess you could call this contrarian. We're now focused on growth. And, and I, think, I think it's because we have the bottom line uh, taken care of. We, we've shown, we've proven our business model and, uh, and now while everybody's focused on, you know, fiscal responsibility or fiscal sustainability, our focus is shifting to, to growth, um, organic growth, principally. So with that quarterly revenue, um, it wasn't a record. It was just under our record. We, our, our strongest quarter uh, is always Q3, um, but nevertheless, the year over year numbers um, from 1.7 million to 2.3 was strong growth. Um, we're, for next quarter, we're coming off a base of 2.2 million, and, and we think we should be able to show similar growth. Um, EBITDA remains strong, once again, impaired a little bit by the change in, in how we account for development costs, uh, but nevertheless, uh, strong numbers, and and uh, I guess that represents our, i well, count them up, eight consecutive quarters of positive EBITDA. And and probably four consecutive quarters of probably uh, of net income. That might be the next slide.
1: Um, it was, it was one the
2: past car. slide. Okay, let's <laughs> just keep going.
1: There
2: you go.
1: Yeah, let's, let's
2: move on. Okay, that's it. That's the update, guys. It was short and sweet, but I, I hope we hit points that are are uh, relevant
0: for the for the group. Mm-hmm. I I think you did. I I um, you certainly hit some of the highlights that uh, I felt were important. Um, why don't we dive into a few questions and um everybody listening of course if you've got some questions you'd like me to ask the team here uh, feel free to use the chat function and uh, we'll, we'll ask those questions um you know everybody's asking me about the the b mini um how how happy are you with the rollout so far and and sort of what what do you think um what sort of your expectations for the balance of the year
1: uh, expectations in terms of projection of units to I,
0: I just think like what, like strategically, and we're not going to sit here and, and talk numbers, but what, what do you okay. want to see happen uh, from a, you know, a distribution angle or, you know, any sort of strategic sort of uh, thoughts?
1: So it's, uh, so it's been introduced to Bell and we're seeing a, a fairly consistent uptake, uh, faster adoption rate that we've had on a previous product. Uh, so it's only been, you know, a couple months, I believe, since we fully launched with them. We just got it certified through AT&T, uh, T-Mobile, uh, Bell, obviously. Um, we're seeing some, I think the, the, order, the order size that we're seeing is much larger than we had in the past. I think the, the sell cycle is also a lot faster. For example, we had a, a sale um, hmm. two weeks ago. Um, it lasted about two hours and the guy walked away with his b
2: do you want to give them a little color on what that opportunity was? Sure. There?
1: And the opportunity was very, uh, it, it's something that everybody can uh, associate with. It's uh, a carrier who's, um, when they get the phone shipped to their um, uh, dealership, uh, they get stolen. The, the pallets get stolen or or at the dealership, they get robbed and the, the cell phones get stolen. And this is easily explained by a you know, variety of factors such as increasing... Uh, cost life, etc. So now you have a phone that costs about two grand. Uh, it's a crime of opportunity. And what we're doing is we actually uh, we're doing the a bait box most like the, the Vancouver bait cars where essentially mm. you have a, you have a, a phone box and inside, inside you have a Bimini. You can connect to the Bimini remotely and through the network and you can make it ring. So it's, it's fairly loud. It's louder than a tile, for example. And this has been two carriers that had nothing to do with each other that came to us for the exact same use case about three days apart. Um, and I think that we can take it to all the carriers and start offering it. Um, we had a pilot with the bike share company that I was mentioning that I did a, um, a pilot was last year at the end of the year in Q3 with one of our demo products. And they came back to me uh, three weeks ago and I'm like, okay, we're ready to order. Um, and so the sales cycle, as I was saying, was really fast. I think we're saying opportunities that are much, much larger. Um, and I think for the end of the year, it's it's very positive. I don't know if you want to comment on more numbers.
2: No, no, I think that was a great summary.
0: And, and um, do you expect, I mean, you've got some major calling distributors through the telcos right now. Do you expect to add more or is that something that... Uh, are um, you going to sort of rest with, with the companies you've got right now?
2: Yeah, so the 3,000 that we've sold have been not, not just to telcos, they've been to some of our existing mm-hmm. partners, telematics companies, um, but certainly uh, T-Mobile has, has launched and they provided a big chunk of the orders as well as Bell. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't formally launched with AT&T, but that is coming in, in the coming Months and quarters, and, and so that should increment this up as well. I
1: might I might mention that we have um, uh, campaigning uh, FirstNet, uh, which is one of our mm-hmm. certification. We're the only asset tracker that is certified FirstNet with AT and T. FirstNet is a dedicated network owned by the government. Uh, right. For first, yeah. um, first responders. First responders. in yeah. my French. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, a massive entertaining undertaking right now from AT and T to promote. Um, beware solution among with other partners and the b mini hopefully can be part of that campaigning as well right now with them it was a soft launch um, we have we do have a few opportunities lined up for a few thousand units that i'm working on right now but you have to train those um, you have to train the carriers you have to train the salesforce so they have to be comfortable with your products now uh, ATT has become significantly more important for our sales than it was in the past, just since the beginning of the year. Some of the advantages
2: that we're hearing from the channels over, you know, other trackers that may have been launched previously on 2G and 3G and 4G networks is that it gets a significantly longer battery life, depending on the reporting frequency, that little mini can last up to a year before it needs to be recharged um we're, we're we're super aggressive on price that's we we don't do anything unless we think we can compete on price um but in this case we're competing both on price and functionality and the third um feature that's getting a lot of interest is and, and margot has has done a great job on explaining it. that the indoor tracking capability on it is is huge for us it's, it's the device that you know if something gets stolen you're going to find it just because it can get location, you know, in, in four different methods. It can get it through GPS, it can get it through Wi-Fi, uh, it can get it through Bluetooth, it can also get network it through location. network location. So Ooh. it's it's a pretty powerful little device. You know, it mm-hmm. it, uh, it looks simple and, and almost gimmicky, gimmicky, if that's a word, um, but there's a ton of technology packed in there. Yeah. Like I said, Wi-Fi 6, Bluetooth 5, yeah. low-powered 5G cellular.
1: Um, and an array and, of sensors and the network location improvement that we're seeing with things. You know, okay. yeah mm-hmm.
2: we're, we're excited about it
0: so um maybe refresh our memory in terms of the, the actual business model with the b-mini i mean obviously there's there's a hardware sale component but what what does the residual revenue look like on a I call it a per per unit basis
2: it's, it's interesting because we are starting to, you know for the last 25 years we've been promoting the benefits of SaaS. um mm-hmm. we were involved in selling SaaS solutions before SaaS was even you know common terminology uh, we think we're going to see things get turned on the head a little bit and so um with bell it's actually an annual service and the renewal is you know on the order of 50 bucks it's not on the order of you know $10 a month is significantly less expensive. I think what you're gonna see is us, as, as we continue to engage with partners and, and tweak our, our commercial terms, you're going to see us selling the hardware with the application, the data, everything baked in. And, and we're going to take an average lifespan of the device to calculate our costs. And if people don't use it for that time frame, then we make a little extra. If they use it use it longer, we make a little less. Um, but, you know, investors love SaaS. Companies like us love SaaS. Clients don't necessarily like SaaS because over the life of the product, it's relatively expensive. And And this at least allows them to um, cap exit, deal with a capital purchase and not have to deal with any operational budgets. But for us, I mean, it's still going to show up as recurring revenue because if you're on the hook for providing a service you mm-hmm. can't recognize that revenue so you're going to see our deferred revenue go up yeah. which is a liability and then you're going to see it flow into recur uh, into recurring revenue you know on a quarterly basis
0: mm-hmm. yeah perfect um as i noticed your, your gross margins improved this quarter um what uh why <laughs> yeah. Good question.
2: Um, So listen, as as recurring revenue takes up a bigger portion of our revenues, as we continue to grow, that there's just a natural tendency, right, the recurring revenue, regardless of whether it's been paid up front or not, is higher margin revenue. And so, you know, all things being equal, our margins should continue to improve as a larger portion of our revenue comes from recurring relative to hardware or service costs. Um, so, that's the, that's the other thing that affects um, margins on a quarterly basis is product mix. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of the four or so products that we sell, some of them we, we generate a higher margin and some a lower margin. And so that kind of delivers that quarter to quarter variability that, that's not explained by recurring revenue mm-hmm. increase.
1: Yeah. yeah, and the fact that we have, you know, we give discounts depending on order sizes, et cetera. So, it's, you know, it's a moving component of our uh, business model for sure.
0: And um, okay, so I mean, maybe it's a very premature question, but you've now launched this brand new product, but where, where do you go from here as far as R&D, like what, what, what did the next product start to look like?
1: We have a lot in the pipeline already, and we're not going to divulge too much right no. now. Uh, but it never stops. And what we're seeing is actually, you know, we mentioned that originally four or five years ago when we started working in the industry. We were right there at the beginning of a new network. We were right there when the board, you know, the PCP board, like your old cell phone was that big. And now we're seeing our components, uh, manufacturer starting to get teeny, teeny and teeny and teenier. Now, teenier is not always better. Uh, my husband will not say that. But we're starting to see some new components coming out that allows us to do different you know like add on to the technology and and new um new look, new new enclosures new battery longer battery etc so it, it never stops and and it's that's why it's so exciting as well for
2: us <clears throat> so we, we won't won't dive into too much of the near term but i can kind of share a little bit with you on a mid to long term mm. technology roadmap if that's helpful paul and trevor mm, for sure um so you know there's two, there's two components to 5G. One is the low-powered side that mm-hmm. allows you to create small devices that are super energy efficient. The other side to 5G is low latency, so a very small amount of time to be able to deliver messages. And so this is going to a drive, drive industries like the drone industry, where you need to com- command and control of a drone, and you don't want any latency. You want to see the video live. You want to know that it's landing. You know, you, it, it all has to be instantaneous. Remote surgeries is another example where you know super low latency is, is important. Um, autonomous driving, you know, vehicles that communicate to each other um, to prevent accidents needs super low latency. So there's an aspect or a segment to five G that's called V2V, that's vehicles communicating to other vehicles to prevent accidents. But there's a component to 5G, V2V, that's actually called V2X, where X represents everything except vehicles. This includes pedestrians, it includes cyclists, it includes e-bike riders, skateboarders, anything and everything that need to be a part of that whole accident avoidance ecosystem. And so the idea is if you're crossing a sidewalk, you can get an alert on your phone and a vibration prior to a car that's barreling down the road at 60 miles per hour and doesn't have the time to stop. You can get an alert to an e-bike rider that, um, you know, there's a car about to barrel through a red light and it, and instantaneously alert him because of the low latency side. So that's the area that we plan to play in next in the mid to long term is, is leveraging some of the low latency 5G technology to reduce pat- pedestrian accidents and pedestrian deaths. Every city has something that we call in Toronto, the city of Toronto calls it Vision Zero. There's other names for it. And their goal is to reduce pedestrian fatalities and accidents down to zero. And it's not gonna happen until this type of technology is rolled out. way to do it. So that's kind of like a two to three year horizon. Um, we will be bringing out new product, as Margo alluded to in, in between that time, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're starting to synthesize our, our vision, um, mm-hmm. you know, for low latency 5G and, and we're excited about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I think that's one of the most exciting things I, I think of about your businesses, that you guys are innovators, you guys are really coming up with new products. And I think that's a big deal with, especially small, small cap or micro cap companies is, is having that capability of coming up with new products and, and sort of new optionality on a business like this. So, so well done, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, we have great engineers. Albin runs the team. We invest heavily in them. The majority of our staff are engineers and not salespeople, obviously. Um, and and that's, that's, um, that's something that we learned early on. You know, if you, if you stop investing in engineering, you have about a two to three year window yeah. where you're going to start seeing things drop off pretty quickly.
0: Mm, yeah no agreed um uh before we jump into some of the listeners questions um what why don't we let's talk about challenges like what what new challenges if any are you facing or what what old challenges are you facing what what can you tell us
2: okay um accounting policies aside um (laughs) yeah so so listen the labor market's getting tough we are growing we're adding staff um one of the We didn't give much detail on it, but uh, we did secure a non-interest-bearing subordinate loan Mm -hmm. uh, for business scale-up from an arm's length lender, which is Mm -hmm. kind of strange. But um, we will be hopefully providing more information about the lender in Mm -hmm. in the coming weeks and and months. Um, But that's specific to add staff to support growth. It's business Mm -hmm. scale-up initiatives. And, and the labor market's tough. I mean, yeah. um, you know, labor productivity is going down. Mm-hmm. I personally think that's because companies have, have allowed uh, too much work from home, and it's mm-hmm. hard to, to monitor and manage productivity when, when you have that type of setup. Um, but also, it's just a tight market. People are more quick to move. And so, um, you know, companies like us in the past where you've relied on, um, you know, personal relationships in the office to keep people motivated when they go home you lose some of that ability Mm -hmm. and 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 we're seeing increases in in salaries and wages um not just for new hires but we have to keep upping the salaries Mm -hmm. and wages for existing hires because inflation is hitting them right the the Mm -hmm. amount of money it costs everybody to get into work using gas has has gone up the price of a loaf of bread has gone up and so Mm -hmm. I think these are sort of macro trends that that we need to be aware of and, and make sure that we're we're not we're not dropping the ball for for the benefit of everybody who, who supports this company. Mm-hmm. You now, we, we,
0: we keep hearing about, um, you know, material issues and, and you know, chip shortages and stuff like that. Are you guys facing that stuff as well?
2: Well, here's the irony. Right? We're, we're in the business of providing visibility into supply chain issues and. Um, we're we're not exempt from it. Okay. Um, so I I really see it as two separate issues. The component market, right? You've heard about mm-hmm. all the automotive manufacturers not be able to install the computers. Mm-hmm. That that's really a different issue from supply chain. Supply chain is FedEx and and UPS crapping the bed and losing product. And you know you Margot telling them that it's it's ended up at your warehouse where packages go to die, Um, over goods, goods, they call it, but it literally is the place that packages go to die. And I think they're having their own labor issues, you know, to to make sure stuff gets, so what we do a good job of is providing visibility into supply chain. And and we do that for ourselves as well. The stuff that's out of our hand is the component stuff. And, you know, there's a region in China that manufactures 25% of the raw silicon that place had issues with energy and raw silicon you know, production dropped. There was a factory in Japan that got caught on fire and they were involved in post-processing raw silicon into the wafers that, that companies use to make chips. And that, that was a, a big hit. That, that was the original hit that hit the automotive manufacturers. And then it was the, the region in China that, that stopped producing as much raw silicon. Um, those, those are driving the component issues. The, the war in Ukraine, believe it or not, neon is a, um, is, neon gas is produced in Ukraine and exported in a lot of areas. And, and that's now hitting component suppliers. And, and so it's stuff that you just can't forecast, but you know, to Chris's credit, Chris Panzik, who, who manages all our suppliers, uh, he's just done a bang up job on, on keeping it together. Um, we get hit by it, but we managed through it. We actually lost about a half a million dollars in revenue last quarter. We should have come in closer to 2.7 or 2.8. Now we didn't lose it, it got pushed, which stronger visibility into Q2. Um, but that was because you know, we had the Chinese New Year and then we had another lockdown, a COVID related lockdown in China that affected component suppliers and, and, and contract manufacturers that, that slowed our, our ability to deliver products. So we were actually, you know, four weeks before the quarter closed, we internally, we, we, we thought our number was going to be about a half a million dollars higher. Uh, like I said, we don't lose that revenue. It just gets pushed. But those are some of the challenges that companies are dealing with nowadays that are design and hardware. But we're approaches. doing very
1: well. I think yeah, we're, we're doing, is- yeah. Like it's, you know, we don't have that much latency between two orders. And so the, the work that Chris and the rest of the production team operation is forecasting orders. Uh, and they're doing excessively well compared to some of the other providers on the market that we work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Um, okay, well, listen, let's jump to some questions from everybody that's on here. Um, and I'm going to start with the first one. It says, uh, were there any B-mini sales in Q1 or will majority come in Q2?
2: So we've received orders to the tune of about 3,000 so far and growing every day. Um, most of that revenue is going to be recognized in Q2. Okay. We did get set out in Q1, but not a not yeah. a big number. It
1: was mostly demandless
0: pre-production.
2: And gotcha. actually, that that three thousand was as at the beginning of the month, not
0: current. So it, it has grown since then. Gotcha. Um, and um, a question on churn rate. Um, uh, I guess too early to see the churn rate isn't be many, but maybe any 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 sort of idea on churn rate just in general.
2: Yeah. So you know we're. The type of solutions that we provide do have a built-in churn associated with them, Mm -hmm. right? If we provide a battery device and they set the configuration for it to last three years, then after three years, they they may not even bother trying to retrieve and change the batteries. That Mm -hmm. that might be a a product that they just cancel and hopefully look to buy a new one. So churn can actually provide in a weird way, you know, additional Mm -hmm. recurring type revenue um, but as a result, our churn rate tends to be a little higher um, because there is a finite life. We're not selling vehicle tracking devices that are going to last the life of the, of the vehicle and then either get thrown out or, or switched. We're selling devices that, that um, you know, in some cases, the B-Mini, they might want for one specific high-valued package, and they're willing to cough up, you know, 70 bucks for the device and a small monthly fee to, to get it up and out the door. Um And and that's it. They just want to track a package that's worth a couple hundred thousand bucks, and beyond that, it's it's going in the garbage for whatever reason. So, um, you know, in the asset tracking space, your turn rates tend to be a little higher than Mm -hmm. in the vehicle telematics space. But you know, the volume, the market opportunity, everything else is so much bigger. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in the companies that I've worked for in the past, three or four thousand um new vehicle ads in a quarter was a decent number and and our little company is pushing out you know closer to fifteen thousand units a quarter or, or even more um so there's you know it's kind of a double edged sword
0: yeah understood yeah um okay next question uh your opex was around 500k a quarter in 2021 and has increased to 700k in q1 um, could you share some light on it and should we expect similar 700k opex in, in sort of future quarters
2: yeah, that, that if you're, you know, on the analyst side or, or monitoring us quarter to quarter, um, mm-hmm. forecast based on a $700,000 OPEX. Don't expect any massive increases. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of where we hope to be, you know, give or take a little bit on a quarterly basis for the next three quarters.
0: Um, how long do you think it'll take to crest 1 million per quarter in recurring revenue?
2: Okay, recurring revenue a good topic um you you guys might recall i think we spoke about a year ago Mm -hmm. when we we renegotiated one of our armored car contracts whereby we had some third-party revenues that were passed through Mm -hmm. Uh, we lost the 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 pass-through revenue but we maintained the margin We maintained the two or three bucks per device that that we typically collect. And so it didn't hit our bottom line, but it hit our top line Mm -hmm. recurring revenue. We've since recovered all of that difference, but the recovery was with, um, you know, uh, recurring revenue that produces margin. It's not it wasn't passed through. It wasn't passed through anymore. So that that's helped our our you know, net income on recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this quarter we finally got back up over where our highest was previously prior mm-hmm. to losing that pass-through revenue. And and I think you should see that continuing to, to trend higher going forward, mm-hmm. as well as contribute. Yeah. If you don't have it up sorry guys we don't have the numbers in front of us but no problem your
1: revenue was at uh, 811
0: I think it was yeah
2: eight eleven, and I think that was just an inch above our previous high recurring Mm. revenue which would have been about a year ago yeah that's
0: right yeah yeah perfect Uh, okay next question are you still looking at the pet tracking opportunity
2: we certainly are through our friends at pet science
0: fantastic simple answer I love it Um, okay and the last question i've got is why are you investing in buying back shares when your focus is more towards growth and hiring new talent well you
2: you know returning equity to shareholders isn't generally considered a bad thing um we're not going to blow our wad on it i mean we produced mm-hmm. 460 grand in cash we're, we're going to send some of that to to the shareholders um but we're we're not foregoing our growth right we have a $500,000 interest-free subordinate loan coming in to help support our scale-up initiatives. We, we're we going to be generating much more cash than we're contributing to our NCIB, um, but it's just a balance, right? You're, mm-hmm. You you have to take care of all aspects to it.
0: Mm-hmm. No, and and I, I agree with you. That's a, that's a perfect answer. It's kind of what I want to hear. Um, the, um, uh, you know, it, to, to me, it's a sign that you guys are certainly comfortable with the capital that you've got. And, you know, you've got more capital than than kind of what you need is the message I get with that. And uh, it, certainly in the environment we're in right now for micro caps, um, I, I like to see that some capital gets returned to shareholders in this format. So I, I commend you for doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. And
2: it, it is a little different, right? That's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Companies nowadays are, are really focused on mm-hmm. on uh, on not burning too much cash, but we've done mm-hmm. a good job over the last couple of years to, to get us into a position that, that does allow us to do this with, without us hurting, mm-hmm. hurting our cash position.
0: Exactly. So I lied. There is another question. This one's from Trevor. So we'll, we'll blame Trevor well, for the extra question. Uh, yeah. When we think about your future growth, what are investors um not focused on or what should they be focused on should they be focused
2: on so um you know I bring it back to Margot's second slide it talks about the industry growing to the tune of 17 percent we're expecting to grow much higher than that even in the most recent quarter we were you know at 37 percent it's going to come up eventually Um, so, uh, you know, near term, yeah. we expect to continue to show that type of performance. Obviously, every quarter we're coming off a larger base, and that mm-hmm. makes that a little bit more difficult to attain, um, you know, and in the absence of having formal guidance out there for you guys. And listen, we I think last year I told you we wanted to get to a spot where we were providing formal guidance on on revenue and income. Um Unfortunately, we're still not there. And some of the issues that are associated with that are things that we talked about. We mm-hmm. don't know about a component shortage issue until, you know, sometimes a week before you're supposed to get the product. Um, and so those are the types of things that we we're, we're continue to try and wrap our head around. And, and hopefully, you know, at some point this year, we, we do provide that formal guidance to, to shareholders. But, um, you know, every time we thought we were getting close, something, something comes outside you and you you rethink it. COVID was one, right? We were, we were getting close. Then COVID hit. A lot of us were a deer in the headlights when when COVID first hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did see a, a decline in revenue in the first two or three weeks of COVID, and and then we saw things pick right back up. But it's stuff that you just can't forecast. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: no, definitely. Um sort of in the same vein, like what, what should we watch for? Like investors sort of paying attention to your business right now, what, what's a key metric or a catalyst or anything that you think is, is a good sign that you guys are sort of continuing to, 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 to run your business the right way?
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, we, you know, we're, we're typically conservative on news releases, so we don't announce every time we light up a new partner. We do share a little bit more or, you know, with some insight, you, on on our social media you might understand that you know we're adding new partners that's certainly something that that drives revenue but it's pretty basic guys watch our revenue watch our net income and watch our cash or working Mm -hmm. cap those are those are the metrics that we're ranking ourselves on Mm -hmm. and i realize that might not be too sexy for some but the more cash we put in the bank the more we can um you know lend to growing this thing as as well as um you know returning some equity
0: to shareholders Mm -hmm. and different
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic. Um, well, listen, we sort of uh, we're at the end here. Um, is there any key takeaway, any, any sort of parting message you want everybody to walk away with today?
2: Yeah. No. Just listen. When when companies are focused on fiscal um, responsibility, fiscal sustainability, we're focused on growth. When mm-hmm. companies are focused on growth, we're you know, I don't know if we're we're doing the right thing from as a as a contrarian, um, but in terms of having a good, strong, healthy company, we, we expect that to continue. And, and uh, you know, I always love sharing some time with, with, with Paul and Trevor and, and your members, so appreciate it.
0: We, we appreciate your time. Um, and again, wanna thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, we have been speaking with Owen Moore and Margot Berry, uh, both from Beware Holdings, symbol BEW on the Venture Exchange, BEWFF uh, in the US. Um, As always, guys, uh, thanks for your time and uh, certainly looking forward to to catching up
1: with you guys in the near future. Thanks, Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Thanks, Trevor. Trevor. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much.